blown that that Baltimore lost last night, dude. I, I'm I'm in shock. I thought they were riding the whole thing this year. I thought they had an easy walk into the Super Bowl and crushing whoever they played. Yeah, well, I, I kind of thought that they would lose next week to Kansas City, and uh, yeah, Lamar just looked like Lamar of last year, and it just seemed like the Titans were ready for everything that they were trying to do. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Pocket passers normally win in this league and that's just traditionally how it is so um it's more exciting to watch like quarterbacks like lamar but i'm you look at the trend and it just seems like the dudes that are just really good passers that stay in the pocket and can scramble a little bit end up rising to the top at the end of the year but certainly helps to have a derrick henry in your backfield too yeah, that guy's awesome. <laughs> Crazy. That guy's a big man. <laughs> I saw one player. He just like shoved some dude out of his way. Like, get out of here, man. I got, I got, yeah. I got plenty more yards to go. Get out of my way. I was wondering if the trend next year is going to be um, them going with bigger running backs and trying to basically like take linebackers and turn them into running backs, like how Derrick Henry's doing this year. Because most of the dudes are, you know, they're under six feet and. Or they're smaller, you know. But, get, get some like Christian yeah. Okoye dude, you know, some just big yes. old dude. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. It's crazy, man. I mean, yeah, I don't know. This is a, it's an interesting. I hope the games today are better because I thought the games yesterday were kind of boring. Yeah, both were kind of blowouts. Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm excited for this Texans game, and then uh, I don't really know the 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 Lambo Field game could be really really low scoring because the weather's shit. So we'll see. Yep. Any any predictions before we get going just to wrap up, wrap up the football talk? Um, I think I, I'm going to go Kansas City and I'm going to go Green Bay. I think Aaron Rodgers finally has a running back and a running game, and I think that's going to be the difference. And uh, and I think Kansas City, I just think, I think this might be their year. You think they're going to take it in the end? I think so. Yeah, I think because I, I think San Francisco's a year away still, even though their defense is amazing. I think if the moment for Jimmy G happens, I think this is going to be a learning experience year, kind of like Kansas City last year. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and Green Bay, I'm not like I. It's, it's like a hit or miss thing. And Seattle to me is just. I think anybody puts up 35 on them, they're they're done. So. Yeah, but I'm not great at predictions, so <laughs> don't go to Vegas on my predictions. <laughs> don't get online and start gambling. I, you know, right. I'm. Maybe I'm said so. Yeah, I mean, dude, if I would have put money down, I like I said, Baltimore all the way. So that's that's why I just I just do my fantasy football and lose at that and keep my gambling to that, and then I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Do you, I, I never. I don't know the Baltimore thing. Never. I, I'm from there, so like. I just, I just never really bought into the hype. I, I was always surprised. Like each week, I was waiting for them to to slip up, and when they wouldn't, I'd be like, maybe, maybe this is real. Maybe this is real. But like, I don't know. I thought he was either going to get hurt or just what happened yesterday. Like, I mean, it was the same thing that happened last year, you know, against the Chargers. So, um, it's different when the game slows down, but. 
Crazy, man. It'll be a, a fun finish. Dude, I was trying to think, like, and I want to talk about the album, of course. That's where we're, we're talking today. Rock Ain't Dead and coming out on the 24th of this month. And I was mm-hmm. trying to think back. The last time I saw you, I'm pretty sure, was at the Whiskey when you were playing with Wednesday 13. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to you after the show, and you had opened up the show that night with a new song. Mm-hmm. Which song was that? That was One of My Kind. That's a... Uh... That's what it was. Okay. Four. No wonder. Yeah, we've had one of my kinds been recorded for like a year and a half, and that was the first song that kind of like after Made from Fire that we that we put together, and um, and then you know everything else kind of followed, but that kind of set the tone for I think stylistically, and I don't know. It was just like when we knew, okay, cool, like the next chapter's begun, you know. <laughs> it's it's time to move on to the next session. Mm-hmm. Lots of guest spots on this album, which is cool. Telly Smith and, and of course, Hydro the Hero. And that guy is a star waiting to, to break out and for the world to know his name. Mm-hmm. You've been friends with him yeah. for a long time? Yeah, we we, uh, we played basketball uh, in Santa Monica. And um, so we had been playing basketball for a couple of years. Um, he, uh, a guy named Eric, he was an entertainment lawyer, and he would bring Hyro. And I knew he did music, but I didn't know... Um, you know, I didn't know any of his songs or whatever. I think he was in a different group, and then he kind of broke off and did his own thing, and now he's doing his stuff. But, um, yeah, we were we wanted to bring in some, some features that were a little um, just kind of just different. And and Hyro and Telly happened to be dudes I play basketball with, and, um, you know, we're different genres per se, but, uh, you know, we're all kind of passionate dudes who, who, you know, we do this, and we also like sports, and so that's how it all began. But, um that's cool. I also like too. It feels like uh, Nico's a little un- unleashed on this and a little, little more shredding this time around throughout the album. Yeah, he he definitely. I mean, you know, he, he's such a good player, man, and and uh, it's really exciting to think like when I was a little kid and I was learning guitar and stuff. Like I always wanted to learn those signature riffs or signature solos, and and I really always want that in our music, and and he brings it and creates that you know he's got like signature licks and these solos that are just timeless and he doesn't overdo it i think he's really tasteful when he chooses to shred and he and he hits the memorable notes when they count and um and it's just awesome to see him grow we've been playing together for this will be our sixth year playing together and uh it's just you know he's always just he's always pushing the bar and raising the bar for us it's awesome and uh, speaking of the lineup, are, are we are we set at drummer now or? Yeah, we we uh, Martin Veras is our drummer, and um, you know when Draven left, it was we we had a buddy from Stitched Up Heart uh, filling in, but we really never found the guy, and um, the band honestly it felt incomplete for a while because. Uh, Draven was such a, a big part of it, you know, and um, he was involved in the production side. He was such a, you know, such a great showman and um, just a great team team player, you know. Uh, when we had to fill that void, it, it took a while, and then, um, you know, we we met Martin, and, and I had seen his videos online, and and, um, and he's just a really really passionate guy, and um, he's hungry. Once we shot the videos and stuff and I just saw how it was translating on camera and I already knew he was a great player, just, you know, then, then you have to bring it out on the road and see if it works, you know, when you're in a closed quarters for a while. And we did the Static Xmas tour together and he's just, he's a beast. So it, uh, it feels complete again. And um, hopefully it, it stays that way for a very long time. Be nice, right? <laughs> to keep a lineup together for a while, get it, get this thing yeah. moving. Who produced the album? Is it self-produced? 
Charles Masabo, he, he produced it. You know, we we did the typical me and, and Needles uh, did, you know, the lion's share of the tracks. Uh, and Charles and I co-wrote four songs in this album. And, and normally, like last album, and for Made From Fire, he just produced what we had already written. And um, these full four songs, me and him, we, we built it from the ground up and um, and then brought in Nico afterwards. And the songs that I do with Needles, is it's always, you know, we just email back and forth until we get it. And I, I, I still track all the vocals and I have a vocal booth in a walk-in closet in my place. And I still track all the vocals there and zip them over to the producers, zip them over to Jared and, and they plug them in and, and, you know, they'll tell me, hey, why don't you change this line or you know, uh, sing this more like that. And so then I go and recut it and still kind of the way we always did it. The only difference is that we, you know, just, just, you know, worked a little bit outside of, you know, the, the typical songs that Jared, uh, Jared Needles, the same guy, just went a little bit more outside the box, which I liked. I thought we got um, into a different direction and into a tuning that's really complementary to where my vocal range uh, sits. Yeah, man, I'm loving the album and and looking forward to see it live. You have any uh, tour dates to speak of yet, or anything happening in that yeah, regard? We, we can't we can't unleash it yet, but um, this year we should be pretty busy. Um, and uh, I, I know just even getting that little tease of playing um, over in November. I mean, well, December and November was just uh, you know we're ready again. It's it's been we've had a not long enough uh, period away and uh, definitely ready to to play these songs for people and and we've been riding made from fire for three years come march so in this day and age with how fast things move it's a long time yeah time to get out and play them and speaking of of touring i wanted to ask you and get your thoughts and kind of your recap of the uh static x tour how was that for you and how was that experience for you and, and hearing and seeing those guys every night I thought it was great. I was skeptical when I, you know, when they first started putting it together, you know, just wanted to make sure the motives were in the right place. And, but the, you know, the, the tribute was really done and in, in really, really well. And, um, you know, for those guys, you know, people can argue whatever they want, but if someone's on drugs and their girlfriend slash wife is on drugs and they're difficult to deal with and you're a grown man, you don't have patience for it. And, and in a sense, as much as, you know, he lost his members, they lost their opportunity to play music and play the stuff they created. So I can see both sides of the fence, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was pulled off really well. And I think, you know, the, the fans were really stoked on it. And I think that was, I mean, that's who we're, that's who we all do it for. Right. But um, the crowds for us were awesome. You know, I mean, just the reactions we were getting it was a pit, you know, for most of our set. And, and uh, you know, I think we just really got re-energized. And I feel like we, we kind of were, a lot of people didn't know us. You know, some of the shows were already sold out before we were on the bill. So it was completely all static fans. And we just, we won them over every night, which um, it was a humbling thing. They're bringing it. Uh, I love what they're doing, and it is a great tribute, and it's great to hear those songs again live. Like I forgot some of those, you know, some of those deeper album cuts that you forget about, and you're like, oh, 
It's just so good to hear through a loud PA, you know, blaring at you like that. And, and such a great little tribute that it'd be interesting to see if, you know, I know this tour is kind of about Wisconsin death trip. I wonder if they'll move it to the next album, make it all about machine and kind of do the same thing and do that album in its entirety and maybe play a couple of the hits from the first album at the end or what they'll do. Yeah, it seems like it's going to keep going. You know, I think as long as there's demand for it and, uh, you know, why shouldn't it? It's like if, if you have something that's working and, and everyone's on board and, and it's, uh, you know, it's evolving. Why not? Hey, speaking of uh, that tour, I saw the uh, painting you did for Chrissy from Dope of, mm. of Marilyn Manson. Mm-hmm. That was a sick, a sick painting. I know, obviously, a big fan, but wanted to shout out a the artwork and then b talk a little Marilyn Manson with you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I uh, those four, you know, Antichrist, Hollywood, uh, Mechanical, and um, Golden Age were like my four staple Manson albums that really uh, helped influence, you know, some of what I do. And um, uh, Chrissy's big into that band, and his wife hit me up, and she's like, you know, I want to do something really special for his birthday. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot of things that you can buy, you know, they're not as sentimental. And I thought this would be cool. Would you be into it? And I was like, yeah. And, and, and the image that I did was something that I loosely did, I think like 2013 or something. But like, I've learned so much about painting midtones and uh, getting the gradients to be a, like a better blend. And it just evolved a lot since then. So I wanted another chance to kind of make that image even cooler. And uh, this was that. And so uh, he got off tour and... <laughs> you know, came over and, and when I showed him the, the thing and said, so like, that picture was, like, right when he first saw it in person for the first time. And, you know, he loved it, and his wife was so, so stoked to, to make a cool surprise for him. That's awesome, man. And, and uh, yeah, it looked really 3D, like, the way you did it. Like, it looked cool, like, with his, his that thing in his mouth and everything. It was a bitchin' painting. Yeah, I like I like doing really exaggerated features. I know, like a lot of painters, um, you know, I've never been the realism guy. I've always just been, um, I just I'm like I'm I'm an animated person, and and I like to make things kind of more outlandish than they are, and and that's why I don't grid out my paintings. I don't make them. Uh, you know, a lot of people use projectors and project like you know a stencil onto their paintings and stuff, and I don't do any of that. I just like to literally just pick up a brush and go and i think that's why organically i make my own style and normally people be like oh that's a baby painting you know it's and it's just something it's pretty unorthodox if you've ever gone to an art school or something it's definitely not what they would recommend doing but for for my niche it kind of just happened organically and, and it works yeah, whether it's on a on a piece of canvas or on a piece of skin, man, you, you've got the uh, the free form down. Been drawing on Thank people you. for years, myself included. Yeah. Well, tattooing, I use stencils, and that's different, but because that kind of has to be perfect. But it's still you know, ultimately it's, making beautiful art, you know. Yes, drawing it ultimately, even if it is outlined, it's still all the shading and and the layers and and the shadows and all of that. It's it's amazing, man. Thanks, man. So, what do you what do you think? Uh, Manson's I think got a new album coming out this year, or a new album done, and he did that one cover. I'm trying to remember the uh, country tune, but it'd be interesting to see where he goes oh, musically. Oh, he did a cover of "In the End," the Doors cover. That's what it was. Yeah, that was that was one of his best things he's done in a long time. Um, I'm a big fan of all his covers. I think, I mean. I don't know many people who do a better cover than he does. You know, I, I just think, I mean, 
kind of better than most of his originals, you know. <laughs> but uh, um, to be honest with a lot of the newer material, um, I'm not as connected with it. I just don't, it doesn't resonate with me the same. And I, and I don't know if it, maybe a little bit of the fire has changed for him or the inspiration has changed. But, you know, in defense of that, I would say that any artist that's put out 10 plus albums, you're going to start, I would think, having issues with new concepts and, and uh, you know, the pressure about doing yourself or whatever, you know. I mean, I just think that it, it happens. I mean, you have a lot of these great bands that had three or four popular records and then they didn't record anything else and they're just pouring off their hits, you know. And, and I will give him credit that, that he's always putting out new content. But, um, yeah, it hasn't been my favorite. Again, I you know, I told you what my four yeah. top ones were. You know, one of my favorites is uh, the first one, Portrait. You're not a fan of Portrait. No, not so much. I mean, it's raw. It's cool. You know, I mean, like Antichrist was raw too, but um, I started, I started just liking it when it was getting, it got a little bit more polished and the, the songs were a little bit more, had a little bit more melody to it. That was just my personal preference on him. Like when he got a little bit slicker, where I kind of like locked in, but um, I definitely appreciate the conviction's always been there. And I think that that's what people really gravitate to with him. You know, I mean, it, you don't have to be the best singer in the world if, you can deliver the the lines in a way that makes the listener believe it. And uh, he's been great at that for his whole career. Absolutely, man. Yeah. You know to expect the unexpected with him. Yeah. And I think he's, he always has a really good pun on lyric. There's just a lot of really, really clever writing. And yeah, he's a smart dude. You can tell. I'd say the the kind of other half of your influence that I know you're a big fan of uh, that shows in the music too is G and R and wanted to talk a little G and R and and kind of get where do you what do you think they do now You've seen the reunion tour, right? You went. Yeah, I've seen it three times. What do you think? I love it. What do you think they do at this point? Do they do a new song? Do they do an EP? Do they do an album? What do you think? That they got to do something at this point to kind of keep the fire going, I would think. Yeah, I mean, you know, they might not even need to because I feel like their fans are just going to want to hear the old stuff. But uh, I would test out a song or maybe do a three-song EP or something. They're big enough where I don't think it matters at this point. But at least if you can kind of get the temperature of the room when you put it out, and then you can kind of move from there. You know, again, it's like they're probably mentally so far removed from what was the 80s and 90s now, 30 years ago. Right. I would be hard-pressed to think that it would come out great, you know? I feel like they were just going through it when Appetite happened. It was so raw, and that, that band was just, like, on drugs and so excited about being in L.A., and, like, you know, they captured that. And then the weirdness of what the illusions did and stuff. But, you know, I don't know. Velvet Revolver put together a couple great records, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of those dudes. Yeah. Um, we're probably going to be involved in this. So I would like to hear something new. I mean, definitely Chinese. I wouldn't want to leave it on Chinese democracy if I were them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's your, the period at the end of the sentence you want to leave. <laughs> you know, I, I was just thinking about it. The, uh, the anniversary's got to be coming up for the Illusions records. Yeah, probably what, next year or the next? Is it 91? Yeah, something like that. So that, I mean, that could certainly be an avenue for them. And, and I think that would certainly stoke ticket sales if they said, hey, we're going to do Illusions 1 and 2 and then, you know, the other hits from Appetite. 
Yeah, that would be sick. I mean, you know, the videos they did on the, you know, on those two albums were so good. I'm a big fan. I, I tell people User Illusion 2 is my favorite album by Guns, and people think I'm crazy, but I love the versatility of it, and I love the songs. I think they're great. Yeah, I'm an Appetite guy, hands down, yeah. Appetite for me. I'm old school like that, but it'll be interesting to, to see what they uh, what they do moving forward. And, you know, it's kind of funny to think about both Manson and, and Guns N' Roses. And like I mentioned with Manson, very dangerous and unpredictable. And that's kind of what you think of when you think of Guns N' Roses, too. But can an artist like yourself be dangerous like they were in their career in, in 2020? Is that possible still in 2020 in, in the culture we live in today? I mean, if you mishandle things, there's danger in any present, past, or future tense, you know? I think the accountability now kind of dissects things. Like, you do something now and people have a phone to, to, to kind of capture it or you know or it's on instagram stories or someone snapchatted and stuff like back then they didn't have that so like you could kind of create the illusion better and i'm not saying that they were illusions with those guys you know but you can make a press blast seem like manson was this antichrist and stuff because people didn't know except for like mtv news reporting it or whatever you know people didn't know to think otherwise or there wasn't leaks on the internet to expose that hey maybe He's just not really like this. You know what I mean? And right. um, so I think in a way, people are being a little bit more authentic now because there's tracking on everything. But I also think that there was a different time then. You know, you could be a little bit more reckless because the rules weren't so constricted. And I feel like now, like, you do something and everyone's jumping on your ass and stuff. And, uh, you know, man, some that was such a harder time coming out right now. You know, I think maybe Bob Dylan was interviewed and he was saying, or Bruce Springsteen or saying how if he tried to come out nowadays, it wouldn't happen because of the way he sings. And, you know, everyone wants perfection and everyone wants a tuned vocal and everyone wants like a perfect tune and whatever. And, and, and I think some of what makes everything cool about like the old school Manson and old school gun stuff is it's raw. They didn't make everything perfect and stuff. And it was their performance and it wasn't an enhanced version of their performance per se, you know? And you didn't uh, know when they were going to show up and what time the show was going to start. And if Axel was going to jump in the crowd and get in a fight with the guy, like you had no idea what was going to happen. That dangerous yeah, for sure. vibe. Now if that happened, there'd be lawsuits everywhere. Right. You know? <laughs> like he could get away with being two hours late for stage and people throwing bottles and stuff all through the crowd. And there's mayhem, you know, now it'd be like, okay, cool, bro. You have to go and play or we're getting sued and you're going to lose $2 million. You know, like that's, we're in, uh, you know, a lawsuit culture. So, I mean. Is that, um, does, does that mean that it's kind of changed from being that dangerous band to being how many followers you can get on Instagram? I mean, I, I think that the industry has changed a lot into analytics, you know? It's like how sports has changed analytics, you know? It's like, they don't even want to hear the music. They want to see how many people follow you on Spotify or how many monthly listeners you have on Spotify. You know, I literally have heard that from people and they they won't they haven't even looked at listened to a song but it's like oh what are your monthly listeners at and then they're either into it or they're not you know what i mean <laughs> from there i don't know man it kind of taking the know. soul out of it yeah i mean there's pure artists that still happen like the billy eilish phenomenon thing just it happened out of nowhere and i'm pretty sure when she started that she didn't have you know fifty thousand music monthly listeners i don't think you know Right. But she created something really cool that people gave a chance. Last thing I got for you, Davey, topic to talk about philosophically, farewells. We've learned now with Motley Crue, right? Like never believe another farewell ever again. Hmm. Sure. 
I mean, right? Is that the lesson learned out of it? Because I I feel like that I'm that one angry fan that, you know, went to the farewell shows and thought they were done and believed them because they made such a big deal about it and made fun of other Mm -hmm. bands who had done the opposite. And then now they come back. So now it's like Slayer retired, supposedly, at the end of the year. Guess we don't believe that, right? We just expect them to come back at some point. It's all BS. Well, my chem just came back too, right? So uh, I think pockets talk. Yeah. Pockets talk, you know. And uh, with crew, I mean, I mean, I'm not surprised really. They signed a contract where they basically can't live off the fat of their work on their own because you know they they can't use the Motley Crew name to stuff, you know. But I was at the very last show at Staples Center. I remember filming good parts of it like Nikki told a story about his the knife he had when wherever he was growing up in Iowa or something don't quote me on where he grew up but uh (laughs) anyway but uh and I and I did think it was really special because I was just like wow this is uh the way they presented it was great and I'd seen crew I think three or four times before that and that was the first time that I was just like they sounded really great to me that night and normally their sound is a little off I think the show has always been entertaining but you know I never felt like they were super locked in sonic great sounding band but that night it, it sounded like it all came together but uh yeah i don't know you just don't know where people are at with their lives man i mean uh i think artists kind of feel like they need to disconnect and then they realize the thing that kind of keeps them keeps the heart beating is is what they do you know so it's like what does nikki six do go home and just hang out with his family you know he's he's been an artist his whole life you know and same with all those guys so, and I think they got a sick amount of money to come back out from Live Nation, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, big big boatload of cash. Are you going to go to the show? Um, I, I, I really don't know. Um, it's what, Def Leppard and... Uh, Poison. Poison. And Joan Jett. And Joan Jett, that's solid. That's a solid tour. I would probably go for... I mean, I, I really thought Def Leppard had a lot of great songs. But uh, yeah, I hadn't planned on it, but I, I wouldn't rule it out at all. If you're if you're in town and, and tickets are available, you'll be there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would go. Killer, man. Well, Davey, always fun chatting with you. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks, online at kcalfm.com. Adios.